Hello, everyone, and welcome to season four of the Global Careers Calls podcast from the University of London Career Service. Listen in to stimulating career conversations between a member of our team and professionals working in a range of sectors based across the globe. This season's focus is the future of work, so let's listen in to our Global Careers Call. The average person changes job around 12 times during their career, and it's no longer the norm to spend one's entire career at the same employer or indeed in the same industry. Join me, Tanielle Kazim, for this Global Careers Calls episode, exploring careers across career stages. This is a fun finale to conclude the Future of Work series. Alongside Poonam De Silva, my student co-host and career starter, we welcomed two guests. Amir Jabari Vassal is a digital nomad and career developer who has worked in technology and policy making for companies both large and small. Currently based in startup world, Amir is a real advocate for the power of communities and how these might affect the future of work. We also welcomed Carla Chico, a career changer and alumni in the MSc management program. From Italy, Carla has worked for over 20 years across continents in leadership and advisory roles across industries. She spent several years in Asia, where many of our listeners are based, and is also a part-time coach helping others to navigate career changes. So, whether you're at the start of your career, a few years in, or have substantial work experience, this is the episode for you. We hope you enjoy the conversation. So to dive into the topic, the first one I want to discuss is this idea of a flexible working world, something we are all included and will have varying levels of experience of, regardless of our career stage. To quote Odessa Jenkins, executive leader and business coach, the great resignation or the great transition, quiet quitting, four-day work weeks, hybrid work weeks. It's all about how do I spend more of my time being efficient at work, doing what I do. It's quite a powerful statement. Poonam, I want to start with you as someone who is a student and at the start of your career about to enter the world of work. How does remote work make you feel as someone who's looking to join the workforce? Overall, it feels like it's going to be an extension to studying online because it opens up opportunities to work with countries and teams across the globe. But at the same time, because I'm starting out into the workforce, it could be that the learning is slow and I don't get an opportunity to connect with my teammates and you know bond with them and reach out to them for doubts. So I am a little hesitant about it and I would prefer to work at the workplace because I'm starting out. I have a question for Amir. Okay, so Amir, as someone who is really interested in how policy can affect the workforce communities, what is your stance? Um, Do you think all sectors and all countries are ready and should start a four-day work week? Thanks, Poonam. I think, first of all, I want to say this is a really important issue for me personally, because uh, it was a big problem when I started my career. Uh, When I started, like, the nine-to-five office job was the norm, and it was really hard for me because uh, my sleep pattern can be unpredictable. And this in combination with a one hour commute and a 9 a.m. start meant that I was always turning up to work, tired, not able to bring my best self and feeling burnt out a lot of the time. 
So when the pandemic started, work became more flexible and this was great for me. I suddenly felt more engaged, more satisfied. Um, I was doing much better work and I'm not the only one who could benefit from more flexible work. I saw that last year, the UK did a study where 62 companies trialed out a four day week and the results were really positive. Employees reported higher satisfaction, they were less likely to quit and they had more time for childcare. Pretty much all of the companies, 92% of them decided to continue with that four day work week. So I think it makes the workplace more inclusive and it doesn't seem to negatively impact the company's output. So I think every company should at least try it. In terms of legislation, whether we should put it into policy, I think it could be a good idea, but we shouldn't rely on the government. I think this is a place for people and unions to pressure employers. So we should just speak about it more and demand it and uh, tell employers that it's a perk that we care about. It's a conversation I always have when, I, when I'm about to take a new job. I always ask them, like, do I need to be there at 9 a.m. if I don't have any meeting? And if they say yes, then I'm probably going to tell them that it's not going to work for me. So one final thing I want to say in today's climate of technological change, I think it's even more important to have a bit more flexibility because job markets change so quickly. And when you're working five days a week, it's very hard to find time to upskill, learn new things and work on your own projects. So, yeah, I think allowing this like a bit more flexibility will make us more resilient to change and also make us more entrepreneurial as a society. Thank you, Amir. Um, that was very insightful. And definitely it is up to us to look forward to doing four-day work week instead of relying on the governments. Yeah, thank you, Amir. So, Carla, we've heard from Amir about his thoughts on the remote work world and his experience of it. Have you had the opportunity to try remote work or working flexibly, perhaps as part of a four-day work week? And if so, what were some of the benefits and what disappointed you about the experience? Well, I have introduced smart working in 2001 when nobody was talking about smart working. And this was because for efficiency, because our workforce was spending a lot of time traveling around. Just maybe for one hour meeting, they have three hour flight. And so I introduced you know, to have video conferencing when they were really, really rare for that. So I think that you have to, uh, to look at these issues on a case by case. And uh, different company should apply that uh, based on their own reality. I don't think that this should be something that the government has to intervene, okay? Because I, I think that the usually government, they don't know exactly what is happening in the real world. So uh, this should be flexibility for the company to decide what to do, because I think mm. that there are uh, some type of jobs that they can benefit to work remotely, as uh, mm. correctly Amir said. On the other side, and I go back to what Panun, Panun said, my suggestion to people that are starting uh, to work, I think that it should be is very good for them to go and to meet their you know, the, the other people, to understand the company culture, and really, you know, to start to understand really what does it mean to work in a teamwork. Because yeah. if you work remotely, you are always by yourself. 
I mean, even if you think that you that you have that you work in a team, at the end of the day, to work in a team is not only to discuss something or to talk about a job. It's also, you know, to to have a chat in front of the coffee machine or to have lunch and to have the opportunity to exchange idea out of the uh, out of the office. So again, uh, is case by case. There yes. is no a rule and should be really led to each company to decide what to do. Mm. Thank you, Carla. Um, so <laughs> firstly, amazing that you basically invented smart working uh, back in the day. Uh, and I think what you've said really speaks to the concern that Poonam had that she raised at the start, which is, you know, entering the world of work, it's a bit uncertain. How am I going to connect and network? And so you're advocating, as Amir is as well, about um, a hybrid approach. So there are some instances where you need to do deep work and be uninterrupted and focused. Hence, perhaps you can work remotely. And there are other instances where perhaps you've just joined a company or you're, you need to be in a people facing environment. So it does make sense to split your time and be around the office camaraderie, meet people face to face because very hard to network via teams. So thank you guys for, for these thoughts. Over the last two years, we have seen mass layoffs pervading in industries such as tech, legal and finance. This has led to the rise of feelings of job insecurity. However, studies have shown that about 78% of individuals who were laid off eventually found new employment, often in industries that were experiencing growth and were looking for higher skilled workers. My question to Amir is, how can candidates work towards future-proofing their careers in this climate of layoffs? And do you have any experiences that you would want to share? So I'd say the key thing here, and it's a bit of a cliche, is to continually learn. But um, how you go about this is what will make the difference. So being curious, following your interests, and surrounding yourself with others who share those interests is really important. So I've already done a few career pivots, and the most recent one was a few years ago when I started becoming interested in the blockchain industry. I heard about it from a friend, and my interest led to further reading and following the topic on Twitter. On Twitter, I went down a rabbit hole, which led me to conferences, meetups, and communities for people interested in blockchain. I started going to these events, joining these communities, and doing open source projects to get my foot in the door. After a few months of this, I secured my first job in the blockchain space from someone I met at an online hackathon. Um, so I just want to highlight the people element here. I think it's the most important part other people can be a great source of motivation and it can be way more fun to learn when you're in a community and you'll get a lot further than on your own. So I do spend time learning technical skills as well, but usually I find these resources from other people in the space that I speak to. So you have to do a bit of searching to find these communities. I found them on the internet, on Reddit, Twitter, Meetup, Eventbrite, LinkedIn but you can also find them uh, in person and amongst your friends. And the last thing I'd say is being open-minded to new technologies will give you a huge advantage. There's a lot of talks of recent developments like ChatGPT, and we don't yet know their impact on the job market, but I do know that some of these tools are very helpful. So I personally use ChatGPT to help me with coding tasks, 
I also use it to write letters or emails occasionally. None of the emails I sent to you guys, though, those were all me. <laughs> Thank you, Amir, for sharing that. And uh, so, Carla, on to on this topic of job security. When, and as someone who's had quite a substantial career and a, a very decorated career at that, when would you say is the right time to leave a job? And how, for people listening, do you go about it without... I guess, impacting relationships from uh, or, or negatively impacting relationships. And is there an experience that you can share about when it's the right time to leave a job? Well, my golden rule has been always to leave a job when I understood that I have learned everything that I could learn. So my suggestion to anybody who think to, to leave a job, first of all, to really think why you want to leave. You have to be very honest with yourself for the reason why you are leaving. Because you don't have to leave just because you don't like somebody, you don't like your one, your co-worker. Mm. Think really about your experience, your growth professionally. And then say, yes, I have already learned everything. And then you move to the next step. And for example, that after seven years that I've been working in, in China, I felt that uh, it was time for me, you know, to get out of China. Mm. And at that point, I didn't move to a new job, but I decided to go for an MBA. I went to London's Business School. And by the way, when I was still doing my MBA, I got a job offer, okay, for any job. So, you know, sometimes you have to lead yourself and not to be afraid. Talking about, if I may, just to complete about the climate of layoff that there is today. Today, a lot of, of uh, newcomers in the in the job world, they are looking you know, either for job in technology or in finance, okay, investment banking and so on. My suggestion to you to be a little bit more open mind. There are a lot of jobs out there that maybe you don't read them every day on the headline of the newspaper, yeah. but there are very good opportunities. So my suggestion is, don't always follow the way, mm. but think what you would like to do. As Amir said, you have to do something that gives you satisfaction. And if it doesn't have a charming title, at least for the audience, you go for that because you will reach success only if you do something that you like. Mm. Thank you, Carla. I have a question because this is something I was thinking about. If you are somebody who's listening and you'll have a job interview coming up, but the current job you've been in, you've only been in, say, a few months. How would you advise our listeners who are in this situation to manage a question in that interview about why are you leaving your current job because you've only been here for a few months. What is a way you'd suggest people to respond to that um, without it looking like you're not a very loyal employee and you're somebody who changes their mind often? I'd, I'd love to hear some practical sort of tips you anyone can give on this. Usually, I think that when you are in a job interview, you have to be as, as honest as much as possible. Okay, because at the end of the day, you know, truth always come up. So if you are leaving the job because you don't like, for example, your boss, you can say that, you know, because it could be character 
or maybe because you think that uh, is going to give more opportunity for the future. Anyhow, whatever it is, the reason, try to be as, as honest as much as possible, okay? Because this is showing that you are an honest person. And, uh, you know, and I mean, there is loyalty is very important, but as long as you are on the job. Thank you, Carla. Yeah, uh, that's great advice for people. Any other thoughts on this topic? I'd just like to say I um, really agree with Carla on the honesty thing, because uh, when you're interviewing with someone and you're meeting them for the first time, mm. it's important to show them that they can trust you and that you can have a real connection with them. Mm. A lot of times an interview is more like uh, the person on the other end is thinking, can I get on with this person? Is this someone yeah. I'd want to speak to? It's not just like, do they have the skills? Uh, in fact, I think mm. the skills is probably one of the last things that you have to tick. So being honest, I think, is a is a big one. But also uh, speaking about it in a way which comes across well. So mm. uh, it could be the case that you didn't like your manager or your manager was bad. But if you're just basically saying loads of horrible things about them, it's not going to come across well. Uh, I think it's... Uh, Right. Just important to think about how it comes across too. And um, yeah, it's something I've done a few times where there have been a few jobs where I've had a bad manager or mm. they've kind of lied to me about what the job description was. And as I got older, I became more confident in not mm. standing for it. And even if it's only been a few months, I would first have a chat with my manager and, and say, this is not what you promised me. Um, this is yeah. a different deal than what I signed up for. And then if it couldn't be resolved, then I'd be very happy to leave. Thank you, Amir. That will give some confidence and food for thought for a lot of people listening, I'm sure. And yeah, the whole point around think about what you want in your career. It might be worth reflecting every now and then and the direction you want it to take. And if you're a growth orientated person, follow that growth. If there's a job that you've been doing that you've outgrown, very fine to to move around and for that to be the motivation thank you guys so our final topic before our quickfire round is all about the career journey so far all three of you have had different careers some of the start your career some have had multiple careers and some of you in between so question for you Poonam what extracurricular projects or commitments held during your studies with us at the University of London do you think might aid you as you enter the world of work and thinking about the skills you might have gained and how that might help the thing you are thinking about working in? Thank you for the question. I have been involved in two major projects with the University of London. The first one is the Reduce the Juice Connect. And these are a series of sustainability webinars where you learn about biodiversity, your impact on the environment, and I think this would help me with moving into the environmental sector, probably getting a job with ESG, which is environment, social governance, mm. and also overall living a lifestyle that doesn't have a major impact on the environment. So just being a better person. And secondly, I was a member on the careers feedback panel and as a team member, I was expected to contribute my thoughts on some of the new service offerings by the University of London Career Services. Mm. So here I had to use a lot of analytical thinking and then presenting these thoughts to a group of members like this on a panel. 
So that would be a lot of digital skills, soft skills. So email chains and mm -hmm. uh, presentations. So that would help me get an advantage over the others who have just been studying probably. And it makes yeah. me a little more confident when I'm talking to people in a room. Outside the university, I have been volunteering my time to teach underprivileged women English. Mm. And I enjoy doing that. It's also a very humbling experience. And I feel really nice when I go over there to teach them. So I'm enjoying myself there as well. Thank you, Poonam. Sounds like you have a lot of uh, skills and experiences and a particular thanks for all of your, your wonderful feedback to us as a service as how we can help you and others uh, with their careers. Uh, so I believe you might have a question for Amir. Yes. So, Amir, um, you know, I've, I've enjoyed listening to everything you're saying about reskilling and I would really want to know what have been some of the most important lessons that you have learned in your career and could you please share it with us? Yeah, certainly. So the first thing I want to just touch on again is communities. So when you're at university, you're kind of given a community and you don't have to do much work for it. If you have an interest or uh, anything you want to do, it's easy to find peers to work with. But once you leave, you don't have that community and workplaces don't often have the same atmosphere. They're a bit more professional and I, I just don't get as much from those communities. Mm. So definitely put some time in and find those communities, whether it's going to co-working spaces, conferences, meetups, hackathons, forums. I'd really recommend doing it. and. I wonder if the government could actually look into subsidizing co-working spaces, because I think they're a great place for young people at the start of their career. It just gives you an opportunity to speak to other people, learn about different careers. And it's been really helpful for me, but they're just quite expensive in London. The other thing I want to say is using technology to your advantage. So I've used loads of websites like online courses like Udemy, mm. Twitter, ChatGPT, and they've really helped me progress my career. But do be careful with it because social media can also be harmful and you really have to be mindful about how you use these technologies. The last thing I just want to say is projects. I would recommend everyone do projects as much as you can because they're the best way to learn. They're the best way to prove that you have an interest in a topic. And when you go to an employer, if you can show a project, it goes way further than, than anything else, at least in my experience. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, I guess maybe one more thing I would add is find out what kind of working environment works for you. Uh, when I worked at large organizations at the start of my career, like the civil service and other mm. corporations, I just couldn't do my best work. And I soon found out it's because it's not the right environment. Mm. Startups and small teams work much better for me. So that discovery is, a, is an important step, I think. That's really nice to hear. I would really be looking forward to joining some com communities mm. and trying to expand my circle so that I can learn from people. And I would also be really much wanting to know whether I work better in larger organizations or smaller mm. organizations. So, Carla, you have held leadership roles across telecommunications, private equity, and as a leadership coach and mentor. It's a very big question, but uh, what have been some of the highlights 
and moments to forget during your career to date? And is there anything practical that you've learned that you could share with our listeners? Uh, well, because of the length of my career, and like everybody, I have highlights and I have a filler. But all these are part of the learning process, okay? Because uh, if you fail, you have to learn. You have to examine, you have to learn why you fail. And then when you have success, you have to understand that success is not forever. So this is a very important. Now, as an highlight, I think that uh, it, for me, it's still there because I have, uh, you know, people, worker and people and co-worker that has been working for me maybe 20 years ago. And they still come back to me for advice if they have a career changer or if they have some problem career. So people trust my judgment. And that's for me, this is my best achievement, meaning that I have been able to build a very solid human relationship and that the people trust me and they continue to trust me and look at me. Now, in terms of a moment that I have to forget, I have many. <laughs> but uh, it's difficult to pinpoint one is difficult because it will take time to describe the background and so on. But usually it's uh, always because I didn't do something, meaning I didn't put my feet on the ground to say, OK, you have to do that. Or I did not fight uh, too much uh, for something. In any case, I want to remember to the people who are now starting their career, uh, what the Winston Churchill said. Because uh, when he says that the success is not the final, failure is not uh, fatal, it is the courage to continue that counts. Really, mm. is really a very good advice. So don't be afraid to fail. And when you get some success, continue to be humble. Because if you continue to be humble, then it will be easier to sustain your success. Unfortunately, a lot of people that just remain graduated people, just graduated people that go to the workforce, they think that their manager is like their professor. So he should be there to teach them as a professor does. This is very wrong approach. And I take the opportunity to say this because as a part-time job, I do career coaching or mentoring. And so a lot of, of these uh, young people that are coming to me, they have this problem. Oh, you know, my manager doesn't spend too much time with me. And I say, well, wait a minute. You know, what do you mean? So please remember that manager are not professor. Very wise words, Carla. Thank you for that. Uh, so, guys, we have reached the final section of our show which is a quick fire round so uh, the first question is from Poonam. Yes can you zero down onto one very important skill that you recommend everyone to have for the workplace? Socializing. Okay and Carla? To be humble and use your common sense always. <laughs> okay that's very very insightful thank you and now my second question is can you give me one tip 
to stay on top of industry news? I'd say follow magazines and curate your news source carefully. Mm. Okay. Nice. And Carla? Well, it's very much depending on, uh, I mean, for each industry, there are a specialized magazine, as Amir said, mm. or, uh, or news, and uh, you just have to follow up them. But you have to search, okay? Just don't stop to the first uh, news that you, that you get out when you do some maybe Google search. You know, you have to go deeper. LinkedIn is a wonderful way to learn about the world of work and different industries. You can subscribe to thought leaders, you can subscribe to companies, and there's lots of sharing and activity always to be learned on LinkedIn. <laughs> I don't work for LinkedIn, by the way. <laughs> okay, so final quick fire question for everybody. We have a lot of people listening who are at the start of their career, developing their career, and changing their career. All three of you would come under the, these this framework. What is one final bit of careers advice that hasn't come up so far in the conversation that you'd love to mention to the people listening? It can be anything. So I would like to start with Carla. I think that the best piece of advice is if, uh, for me is uh, to go for a job, not only because uh, it can give you more money, but because it's something that you are really enjoying doing. Based on my experience, I've seen that money, they're always a follower. Meaning that, that when I have decided with my heart, then money came out. And uh, so follow your passion, follow your heart, and then money will come. Thank you, Carla. Uh, Poonam, maybe advising your future self, what advice will you give? I think one thing that I want to do more is I want to be able to reach out more mm. because um, I want to be more proactive in getting myself out there and being open and telling people this is what I want to do. I want help or, you know, I want some advice. And I want to tell myself that the worst answer that you would get is no. Mm. So just put yourself out there. And we've had some great tips from everybody as to how to do that today. And finally, Amir. I'd say don't be afraid to put things out there. With certain projects like writing or making an app, I remember I spent a lot of time being really afraid that everyone would hate it once I put it out there. But I'd say don't be worried if you don't get good feedback. Put things out there. And if you have friends that are thinking about putting a project out there, really push them and motivate them because... That initial bit is the scariest. And once you get past it, you'll get the rewards. Thanks, guys. I think that's a great way to close the show and close the series. So on behalf of the University of London Career Service, thank you for listening. And thank you for joining us on the Global Careers Call today. This was the Global Careers Calls podcast brought to you by the University of London Career Service. All links and resources are in the episode notes. This episode was hosted by Tanya Kazim, co-hosted by Poonam De Silva, edited by Abby Underwood, and introduced by me, Melissa Drorian. Follow and subscribe to keep up to date with our upcoming episodes with more motivational stories from our diverse graduate cohort, and please rate and leave a review if you found it useful. To listen to previous episodes and find further resources by our team, visit www.london.com 
www.ac.uk forward slash careers.